This is the armor of God. It's not my armor, it's not your armor. This is God's armor, and he's already wearing it. Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, go to plainfieldchristian.com. Enjoy today's podcast. Good morning, church. Uh, Open your Bibles with me this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. And as you're turning there, let me just go ahead and tell you my sermon in a sentence for today. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Uh, There's a preacher by the name of Erwin McManus who tells a story about his son Aaron. And when Aaron was young, uh, he went through this period as a boy where he kept having these nightmares over and over. And they were just these uh, pretty terrifying nightmares about demons and stuff. And so Aaron was just really, really scared night after night after night. And as a parent, some of us have been in these situations before. And Erwin McManus is wrestling through like, yeah, as a parent, you want to do everything you possibly can to help your kid feel safe, but you also want to teach them not to give into their fear. And so Erwin McManus is really wrestling with how to just help and lead and love his son through this. And one particular night, Aaron woke up again, screaming and crying after this terrifying nightmare. And Erwin McManus goes into the room, kind of talks Aaron down a little bit. And, and after the situation kind of calms down, Erwin McManus just asks him, hey, buddy, what, what do you need me to do for you? And Aaron said, dad, would you just pray that I'd be safe? And in a moment of parenting brilliance, Erwin McManus said, no, son, I won't pray that you'll be safe. I'll pray that you'll be dangerous. And that when those demons come into this room and they realize who you are and who your savior is, they will be so terrified that they'll turn around and run out faster than they came. (laughs) I love that. And I don't know about you, but I want a faith like that. Like I want to be strong in the Lord. I want to have a dangerous faith, right? So we're going to talk about being strong in the Lord today. We've been going through this letter in the Bible called Ephesians. It was written by a guy named Paul to an ancient church, and we've been calling this series Sit, Walk, Stand. And we talked about how if you want to live the life of faith, the Christian life always starts with sitting, not by saying, hey, do this, but by saying it has already been done. The Christian life starts with remembering who your Savior is. And we talked about how if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, then you have been united with Christ. You are in him and he is in you. And it's like if I put a dollar bill in this book, all of a sudden what is true of the book becomes true of the dollar and where the book goes, the dollar goes with it. And that's you. If you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you, then what is true of him becomes true of you. And as you rest in that reality, then from there, we can walk the walk of faith. And so we talked about walking together and walking in light and walking in love. But today, we're going to end this series the same way Paul ends this letter, with a challenge to stand, to stand against the enemy. And Paul kicks off this final section here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says this. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. Now, I don't know whether or not today you're feeling particularly strong in the Lord. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what kind of season your life is. Maybe there's some of you in here that, yeah, you are feeling strong in the Lord today. And if that's true, if that's you, praise God, I'm happy for you. But my guess is there's other people in here today that you're not feeling strong right now. In fact, you're feeling anything but strong. 
And maybe it's a weak season for you or a dry season for you. Maybe you've been racked with anxiety or grief or guilt or, or sadness. Maybe you've got unanswered questions. Maybe you're here today and you're just tired. You're not feeling strong. And if that's you here this morning, I want you to know that you've come to the right place. Because Paul's command, Jesus's command for all of us today is actually still the same, regardless of the season that you're in. Paul's saying to all of us, be strong in the Lord. And if you're in a weak season right now, that might sound insensitive, but it's actually good news for you. Because if this is a command to us, if Paul's saying, commanding us to be strong in the Lord, then that means we have some agency in the matter. That means we get to choose. So for all of us today, Jesus is saying, hey, be strong in the Lord. We're gonna stand, and here's how we do that. I wanna give you four ways to be strong in the Lord, four ways to stand as Paul is calling us to stand here today. And here's the first thing is this. We stand with eyes open. Paul says stand with eyes open because you have an enemy. He says this in Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 12. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, keep your eyes open because you have an enemy. And your enemy is not other people. Your enemy is not the person who hurt you. Your enemy is not the person who annoys you. Your enemy is not another country or another political party. Paul is saying that our enemy is this dark black hole of spiritual forces. And that means that when, when you're struggling with something, like when you sit down to have your time with Jesus and you try to pray, but you get distracted or you keep just going back to your phone, like that's not coincidence. There's a target on your back. And Paul's saying that, that when a lustful thought enters your mind or when you're tempted to say a bitter word or to speak passive aggressively to someone or to hold on to a grudge, that's not coincidence. That's not just old habits. You have officially stepped onto a spiritual battlefield. Paul's saying that when you wake up on Sunday morning and you're tired after Saturday and you're like, I don't really know if we want to go to church today or not. Like there is a war for the, for the health of your soul. You're in the line of fire of the evil one. Paul's saying, hey, listen, this is not a game. We're at war. Now, we're not gonna go too deep into the theology of Satan and demons here today, but I do want you to know that there is a literal, personal devil, and, and that the Bible says that he is prowling around like a roaring lion. He is seeking to steal and to kill and to destroy. Every author in the New Testament mentions him. Jesus himself talks about the devil 25 times. If Jesus believes in the devil, we should too. There's a real devil. That's what I want you to know, and here's the second thing I want you to know about him. He hates you. And he hates you because he hates Jesus. And you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you if you're a follower of him here this morning. That's why he hates you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, he still hates you because he doesn't want you to be in Jesus. And so this means that your life may seem like just kind of the same old routine over and over again with the same old people at the same old job in the same old place week after week after week. But Paul is saying, and this may sound crazy to you, but it is true. Paul is saying that we are living in a world inhabited by angels and demons. 
We are living in a world that is embroiled in spiritual battle and that there's a real enemy who is at work to hijack the institutions of earth, to hijack the social structures that shape the way our society functions and to use them to drag people into darkness. And a lot of those structures aren't necessarily bad. They're actually neutral. They can be used for darkness or light, but Satan wants to use them for darkness. And so he wants to use music and Hollywood and social media and universities and neighborhood violence and family dysfunction and governments and schools to drag entire societies and peoples and families down into the darkness. And that means that of all of us, we've been checking on the news this week, haven't we? Everything going on around the world. And that means that when we're seeing governments going back and forth and armies clashing, what we're witnessing is not just political maneuvering. There are deep spiritual realities at play here and Satan is at work in every government of the world to drag people into the darkness. There's a spiritual battle that's going on. So while we're talking about that, can I just pause the sermon here for a couple seconds and give you guys an update? Um, We support here at the church a lot of global impact ministries. That means that when you give your money to the work of God's kingdom here at Plainfield Christian Church, it goes all over the world to help God's people, to help people know Jesus. And three of the global impact partners that we partner with have operations in Ukraine right now. Uh, The International Disaster Emergency Services is raising money for relief there in Ukraine. TCM International Institute that's based here in Indy and in Austria has uh, campuses and, and, and arms and fingers kind of there in Ukraine and in Russia, both. And then TCI is a ministry called Tavrisky Christian Institute. And their headquarters is based right there in Kherson, Ukraine, where there's a fierce battle raging right now. As far as we know, our brothers and sisters there at TCI have been able to evacuate to the western portion of Ukraine. But I'm here to ask you for two things today on behalf of our brothers and sisters. Number one, I'm asking you to pray because we know there are deep spiritual realities at play here and we have to go to war on behalf of our brothers and sisters all around the world for their protection and for God to glorify himself through them. I want you to pray for those ministries, in particular TCI, okay? And here's the second thing, I want you to give. God has uniquely positioned us as the American church with the resources and the freedom to be able to bless the church all around the world. So we've started a Ukraine relief fund that is active today, and you can give to it three ways. And I'm gonna challenge you to give over and above your normal giving to help our brothers and sisters around the world right now, and every dollar is gonna go to them, okay? Here we go. Way number one is you can write a check to the church, and just in the memo line, you can put Ukraine relief. It'll get where it needs to go, okay? Way number two is you can give online like you normally give, and there's a little drop-down menu for you to designate your gift, and you can click on the tag there that says Ukraine Relief. Or right now, you can pull out your phone here in church, and you can text PCC Ukraine to 73256. Every dollar that's given is going to go to support our brothers and sisters in Ukraine right now. We're going to go to war on their behalf. We're going to defend our brothers and sisters in prayer and in giving. Sound okay? All right, very good, because we have an enemy, and so we're gonna stand with eyes open. That's the first thing Paul says. Here's the second thing. If you wanna be strong in the Lord, Paul says, stand with arms locked. We stand together. The devil, your enemy, loves to pick on people who are alone and isolated because he knows they're weak. And so that's why when Paul's writing this letter, he's not writing to just individuals saying, hey, you, person, be strong in the Lord. He's writing to the church. He's saying, hey, we gotta be strong in the Lord. We gotta stand together, eyes open and arms locked. 
Uh, one of my all-time favorite movies is the movie Gladiator. Anybody else love that movie? I can't necessarily recommend you watch it because there's lots of blood and guts unless you have a calloused heart like mine, okay? But I, I love the movie, right? And it's the story of the Roman general Maximus who ends up kind of falling from grace and he's sold into slavery as a gladiator. And there's this one particular scene in the movie where Maximus and these other gladiators are thrown out into the middle of the Colosseum there. They're just gonna be slaughtered for the entertainment of the bloodthirsty crowds. But Maximus is... is is, is there with the other gladiators in the middle of the arena. They're waiting on their enemy to come out of the gates and just slaughter them. But Maximus says to the other gladiators, he says, hey, whatever comes out of that gate, stay together. Whatever comes out of that gate, stay together. And the enemy does come out of the gate. They've got these war horses and chariots and trained soldiers. But for that moment, those gladiators stop acting like gladiators and they start acting like an army. And back to back, side by side, they fight it off and they end up winning the battle. Whatever comes out of that gate, stay together. And we're gonna read here in a minute, Paul's gonna start describing the armor of God. And when he does, the interesting thing is, he's not describing the armor that a gladiator would wear. He's not challenging you to be some strong individual soldier. He's describing the armor that a Roman soldier would wear, standing side by side with his brothers in the fight. If we're gonna stand and be strong in the Lord, we gotta stand with eyes open and arms locked. We fight together. And I'm preaching to myself here today, okay? Because by nature, I'm a lone ranger. I'm an introvert by nature. My default mode is, I got this. I'm gonna do it by myself. I don't need your help. Anybody else in here today? Like, that's my default mode. But in the fight that we are in, in a spiritual battle, a lone ranger is a dead ranger. And some of y'all are struggling here this morning. There's stuff going on in every one of our lives, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe your marriage is struggling, but you haven't told anybody. Or, or maybe you've been going through some mental health stuff. COVID has just wreaked havoc on you and you're struggling with depression and, and you haven't told anybody about it because honestly, some of the thoughts you've had are kind of dark and you're just too ashamed. What would they think about you if you actually told them? Can I encourage you? Please reach out. If we're gonna be strong in the Lord, we gotta stand with arms locked. Could you just text a good and godly friend and say, hey, can we talk? Can we chat or, or, or talk, talk to one of us? But please, please, please. This is also why it's so important that you're in a group of people. It's wonderful. We need to make this a discipline where we're coming to large group worship, but we also wanna be in small groups where you're looking people in the eyes on a regular basis and you know their story and they know yours and you're gonna fight the good fight together. You can always sign up for a group on our website. We would love to get you plugged in because if we're gonna be strong in the Lord, if we're gonna stand, we gotta stand with eyes open and arms locked. And here's the third thing. We're gonna stand with armor on, with armor on, eyes open, arms locked, armor on. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 13. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. So Paul is saying here, hey, if we're at war, if there really is an enemy, then we gotta be ready. You might remember that as Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesian church, he's in prison. And so more than likely, he's chained up to a Roman soldier as he's writing this. And so Paul's saying, hey, if we really do have an enemy, if there's an enemy who's after your marriage and after the hearts of your children and after your mind wanting to plague you, then we gotta suit up. It's time to go to war, time to get our armor on. Put on the full armor of God, Paul says. And what is the full armor of God? Let's just walk down through the text here together. Verse 14. Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Why the belt of truth? Because the devil will try to deceive you with lies. He's gonna whisper to you, yeah, Jesus is one way to heaven, 
But he's not the only way. Hey, you can love whoever you want to love, right? If it feels good, do it. God wants you to be happy. He's going to lie to you, but be strong in the Lord. Verse 15, or excuse me, the last part of verse 14, Paul says this. He says, stand firm with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Why the breastplate of righteousness? Because the devil's going to try to derail you with sin. He's gonna put unrighteousness in front of you. He's gonna put what is evil in front of you and he's gonna make it look good. He's gonna put what's self-destructive in front of you and he's gonna make it look satisfying and fulfilling. He's gonna put greed and pride and anger and lust and bitterness in front of you. He wants to derail you, but be strong in the Lord. Verse 15 here, Paul says, stand firm with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Why these shoes, the readiness of the gospel of peace? Because the devil wants to distract you from your mission. Every one of us has been given a mission. We ain't just twiddling our thumbs waiting for Jesus to come back. Our mission is to go make disciples, to invest in people so that they can know Jesus better, to share the story of what Jesus has done in our lives with the people who need to to hear that. And listen, the devil's gonna try to distract you from that mission. He's gonna try to make you too scared to speak up. He's gonna try to make you too busy to invest in that relationship. He's gonna try to distract you from your mission, but be strong in the Lord. Verses 16 and 17, Paul says, stand firm, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Why the shield of faith? Why the helmet of salvation? Because the devil will try to discourage you with doubts. He wants to erode your faith. He wants to make you doubt your salvation. He wants to make you hate yourself. He's gonna whisper to you. He's gonna say, God God doesn't love you. After what you did, there's no way God could forgive you. God couldn't possibly use you. God's not actually listening. Maybe God was never even there in the first place. And so when the enemy comes at you with those weapons, what do we do? Verse 17, Paul says, stand firm. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is our weapon. If we lose the word, we lose the war. And it breaks my heart when I see some people running into battle without a sword. Can I geek out here for just a second? Will you bear with me? Here in the Greek, in the New Testament, there are two main Greek words for word. There's the word logos, which most often refers to the written word, but that's not the word Paul uses here. Paul uses the word rhema, which refers to the spoken word. That means that the sword of the spirit is less about the written Bible and having a Bible. There's lots of people who have a Bible but don't have a sword. The sword of the spirit is speaking the truth of God, speaking God's words out loud in conversation and against temptation and discouragement when the devil comes, saying out loud the words of scripture. So can I challenge you? Like, we want you to be in God's word day in and day out, absolutely. But we also want you to be speaking out loud God's truth. I hope you've been reading through this booklet out loud with your family or with one of your friends here during this series. There's a reason we did this because there's power in speaking out loud the words of God. And can I also challenge you? I'd like, to, I'd like for you to dive deeper than even just reading God's word. I wanna challenge you to memorize scripture. And for some of you, I know that sounds weird and foreign, sounds like something for the super spiritual elite, but I promise it's not. The best parenting advice that I've ever been given was when my dad looked me in the eyes and he said, son, bribe your kids to memorize scripture. 
So like as, as much candy as it takes, you give them as much money as it possibly, like get God's word in their hearts. This is our call and you can do it. And if you think you can't, let me quote the first three words of your favorite song and I bet you can do it, okay? Like I'm pretty sure we can all memorize. Hang God's word up in your home, put it to music, read it over and over again, tape it on your steering wheel. I know that's not like good driving and if there's any police officers in here, please don't report me, but that's what I do, okay? Like do whatever you gotta do to get God's word down in your heart. Some of us uh, on the staff and the elders this year, we're memorizing the book of First Timothy together and it's hard, it's not easy. But we want to store up God's word in our hearts so when the Holy Spirit calls us to use it, it's there and it's ready. Because when the enemy comes and you're weak in a weak moment, and it's, it's a spiritual warfare type situation, when he confronts you with temptation or discouragement, the Holy Spirit is going to run to your mental armory, the arsenal of God's word that's supposed to be stored up in your mind. But what if he flings open the door of that armory to look for a weapon and it's empty? All he's got to work with is a John 3.16 laying there on the floor. <laughs> Some of you are running into battle without a weapon, but when we memorize scripture, when you get God's truth in your heart, when you speak God's truth, we give the Holy Spirit the weapons that he needs. There's power in the spoken word of God. Some of you uh, will remember the name Mike Singletary. We got any Chicago Bear fans in the house today? You're probably not raising your hands because you're too embarrassed, aren't you? I get it. I get it. I get it. Now, listen, the Bears may stink, but Mike Singletary was a beast, right? If any of you remember him play, like this dude was an animal. He was kind of the heartbeat of that 1985 Bears team, one of the greatest football teams ever. And Mike Singletary, like this dude was not a wimp. He grew up tough. He grew up down in Houston in the ghetto, youngest of 10 kids, parents divorced. The guy that was kind of his father figure uh, died young and died early. Mike was always told by his football coaches that he was too small to play, but he didn't let that get him down. He used that to develop this kind of warrior mentality. And, and, and Mike Singletary, like if you watched him play, this dude was a battering ram on the gridiron. This guy would tackle his own grandma if she had the ball, right? That's just the kind of linebacker he was, you know? And so in his, in his college career, over the four years he was in college, this guy cracked 16 helmets. He's intense, right? But then he was still passed over in the first round of the NFL draft. He was eventually taken by the Chicago Bears, though, and went on to become an all-pro. Um, and, and, and Mike Singletary, like there's just so many stories about his toughness. His, his teammates actually thought he was so tough, they gave him the nickname Samurai Mike, which I think is awesome. If any of you guys want to start calling me Samurai Luke, I'll take it, okay? Um, but like one time in a game against the Minnesota Vikings, he got his finger caught in an opponent's face mask, actually ripped the top of his finger off. And I know, sorry for the gore, right? But like Mike Singletary goes out of the game, gets his finger stitched up, comes back into the game in time to make the game-saving tackle in the fourth quarter on the one-yard line. Like there's a reason this dude is an NFL Hall of Famer. But Mike Singletary also happens to be a strong Christian. And before one particular game against Washington, Mike woke up, he's just feeling real sick, he's vomiting, the room is spinning, and the trainer says, hey, listen, Mike, I think you gotta sit this one out. And Mike Singletary, of course, says, no way. He picks up the phone and he calls his teammate, Sean Gale, and Mike says, hey, listen, Sean, I'm sick, can you give me a ride to the stadium? And here's the deal, Sean, when we get out on the field today, I'm gonna need you to come up to me after every single play and quote 1 John 4.4 to me. I need you to yell in my face, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Sean says, okay. So they get to the stadium and sure enough, they get out on the field and Mike Singletary said later, his vision was so blurry, he was seeing three of everything. So he decided to just hit whatever was in the middle, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
But, but that's what they did after every play. Sean Gale came up to him and grabbed him and said, greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. First John 4, 4. And Mike Singletary went on to say that that was actually one of his best games. Well, I actually reached out to Mike Singletary and he has a message for you today. Take a look. Hello, it's Mike Singletary here. And I want to join Pastor Luke in kind of putting this Sunday in perspective. Now, I know for the Colts fans, you know, a lot of you guys, uh, you know what? If the Colts aren't in it, I don't want to watch it. Well, that's fine. I understand that. I don't even want to see him. I get that. But I just want to remind you, and, and, you know, Pastor Luke was just saying, hey, you know what? We're going to bring this all together, and we have one team. And we're all on that same one team, and that's Jesus Christ. That team, we're all together. So maybe when we put it in the proper perspective, because at the end of the day, we've already overcome. We, we've already won all this stuff. God has already, it's already written. Because he says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I think that says it. Let's enjoy the game. All of us, all fans, all believers. God bless. Take care. We still don't have to root for the Bears, guys. We're good. (laughs) But that's Samurai Mike reminding you that you got somebody in you who's stronger than an NFL Hall of Fame linebacker. He said it's already been written. And so we're going to stand, and if we're going to be strong in the Lord, we're going to do it eyes open, arms locked, armor on. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. Which brings me to the most important thing I'm going to tell you about God's armor, and it's this. This is the armor of God. It's not my armor. It's not your armor. This is God's armor, and he's already wearing it. And we see this picture back in the Old Testament. Like Mike said, it's already been written. In the Old Testament, in places like Isaiah chapter 11 and Isaiah chapter 59, you see this picture of God as a warrior. And, and Isaiah describes what God looks like, this heavenly warrior. He says that God is wearing a, a breastplate of righteousness and he's wearing faithfulness as his sash, sash, that God is wearing a helmet of salvation, that God has wrapped himself in zeal, that God is bringing his conquering wrath and justice on the earth. The thing about the armor of God is that it's God's armor. Paul says you don't have to go look for it. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to build it. You just got to put it on because Jesus came and he was already wearing the armor and Jesus came and he already won the fight. So if you are in Jesus and he is in you, the armor comes with it. It's a package deal. That means that because Jesus stood firm, you can stand firm. And that means that because Jesus was totally perfect, even though you're not, you can put on the breastplate of his righteousness and his perfection. And this means that because Jesus is the truth, you can stand against the enemy's lies. And this means that because Jesus is our defender, you can take up the shield of faith and you can just trust him. And this means that because Jesus is our victory and has already won the victory over the enemy and his death and resurrection, you can put on the helmet of that salvation and just trust that the fight is over. And because Jesus' words are living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, you can take up the sword of the spirit. We're gonna be strong in the Lord. We are gonna stand, church. Eyes open, arms locked, armor on. And here's the last thing. We're gonna stand with knees bent. Paul's saying, if you wanna be strong in the Lord, we're gonna stand in the power of prayer. And 
Sometimes I see people with good intentions, but they get, they get so pumped up, they get so excited, they're ready to just go storm the gates of hell with a squirt gun, you know? And that's great. But Paul says here, hey, hold on, remember, we don't do this on our own. Verses 18 through 20, Paul says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul says we're called to pray all the time about everything. You might remember the story from Jesus's life where, where his disciples, they try to cast this demon out of a young boy and they can't do it. Like they'd done it before. They'd cast out other demons, but for this, some reason, this one's not working. And so Jesus shows up on the scene and, and Jesus casts out the demons and the disciples are like, Jesus, why, why couldn't we do that? Like, how come you could do it, but we couldn't? Why didn't it work like it did before? And this is what happens here in Mark 9. It says his disciples asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. You're not gonna beat the enemy on your own strength. If we're fighting a spiritual war, we gotta use spiritual weapons. We don't fight on our own. John Piper says that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, is not a help-wanted ad, as if God were looking for a few strong men to come join his army so he can fight a little better. The good news of Jesus is a help-available ad. God stands ready to fight on your behalf. And if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and this all sounds a little weird and you're not sure what's going on, I want you to know that everything that we've talked about today is available to you. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been fighting and it feels like you're fighting on your own and it feels like you're losing ground and you just don't know how you're gonna stand. But I want you to know that there's one standing for you and that Jesus, the son of God, came down and he died for you on the cross and that three days later, he rose from the dead and he conquered every enemy we will ever face. He conquered our sin and our guilt and our shame and our brokenness. He conquered death and disease. He conquered anxiety and dysfunction. He conquered all of it. And his victory, he is now offering to us as our victory. And he stands ready to make that victory known in your life. So if you wanna be a follower of Jesus and taste that victory that he's won for you, please come talk to us. Man, I'll be up here after the service. You can shoot us an email. You can always go on the website, click on the baptism tab, but we would love for you to get to taste what Jesus's victory looks like in your life. Because this thing that we do here called church, we're not here because we're strong. We're not here because we're heroes. But we are here because we have a strong hero that we get to follow and he's living in us and through us. And so we stand with knees bent. I know I've, uh, I've made fun of Tom Brady a lot the last few weeks, um, but now that he's retired, can I take one more shot at him? Is that all right? A few weeks ago, you might remember Tom Brady got his first ever unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Listen, Brady's been in the league for 86 years and that was his first unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, right? And it's amazing to think about that as much as we hate to admit it, like here stands the greatest player in the history of football and he just got penalized by a balding middle-aged guy in a zebra striped shirt. How does that happen? It's because this little dude has the authority of the entire league behind him. And this is us when we pray. The enemy is stronger than you. But when you pray in Jesus' name, you have more authority than he does. 
So you talked about those structures earlier that Satan loves to use to drag the world into darkness, right? These social institutions. We talked about how he likes to drag marriage into the darkness and he wants to use um, neighborhoods and, and dysfunction in communities to drag people in darkness and keep them enslaved and impressed. And he wants to use uh, universities and, and governments and politics and war and these kinds of things to drag the world into darkness. Well, what happens to those institutions when we pray? Take marriage, for example that he would love to tear apart. You know the statistics, roughly 50% of marriages end in divorce and some of you have felt that pain. But did you know that if couples will put just one habit in place, if those couples will pray together every single day, the divorce rate falls to less than 1%. What about neighborhoods that Satan loves to keep people trapped in cycles of dysfunction? In 2010, there was a group of eight Christian people in Sacramento who decided to pray for one of the most crime-ridden neighborhoods of their city. It was a neighborhood called Detroit Boulevard. And every house on Detroit Boulevard was a place of darkness and danger. But this little group of eight believers, they just started going on prayer walks up and down Detroit Boulevard every night. And they just pray for these houses as they pass by. And after they do this, night after night, eventually one lady came out, she kind of confronted them, asked them what was going on. And they just said that they were praying and so she asked for healing and they prayed and God healed her. And, and soon that little group of eight people, they moved into the neighborhood and they planted a church. And just a few years later, the Sacramento newspaper reported that there was not a single homicide, not a single robbery and not a single sex crime in the Detroit Boulevard neighborhood for that whole year. Because God's people prayed. What about war? What about politics and government? Had the... Roy Weiss was the campus minister at the University of Missouri for a long time. Shout out to my tigers. <laughs> and, and during Roy Weiss's ministry, God did amazing things. He was just in, this incredible man of evangelism. He just loved people well and told them the story of what Jesus had done for him. He was this man just committed to prayer. Roy Weiss, during his ministry, baptized over 9,000 people. And back in the 1980s, Roy would often take trips into Eastern Europe and he would smuggle Bibles into these Soviet bloc countries and he'd try to just encourage the pastors there in the underground church. And many of these pastors had had their fingers cut off or their teeth knocked out. They'd been beaten up or imprisoned just for preaching Jesus. But even there, during the height of persecution under that communist regime, that church there in Eastern Europe and Roy Weiss decided that they were gonna pray for God to bring an end to communism in their land. And they were just gonna pray for it. And it was a bold prayer, but they were gonna pray that God would do something miraculous to fight on their behalf. And so they chose one day and they said, God, on this day, would you just give us a sign, an undeniable sign that you're gonna answer this prayer and bring an end to communism in our land? And so the day they chose was November 9th, 1989. And for over a year, these Christians prayed that on November 9th, 1989, God would give them a sign that he's gonna answer this prayer and he's gonna bring freedom. And for months ahead of time, Roy Weiss had written down that date in his prayer journal, November 9th, 1989. And they prayed and they prayed and they didn't know what God was gonna do. They just trusted that he was gonna do something. And on November 9th, 1989, Roy Weiss turned on his television and he watched the Berlin Wall come falling down. I'm telling you that that communist regime ended not because of some political maneuvering. It wasn't happenstance. It was because God's people prayed. And we have a duty, church. 
We got brothers all over, brothers and sisters all over the world right now who are in desperate need in Ukraine and in Russia and in Afghanistan and all over. And it is our call to get on our knees and to fight on their behalf that they would be able to stand and be strong in the Lord. And if you're here today and you're in a weak season, I'm telling you that you can stand too and that you can be strong too. Not strong in yourself, not strong in your community, not strong in your abilities, but you can be strong in the Lord. And so if you're weak today, can I also just encourage you to reach out to one of us or, or, or shoot a text to a godly friend and say, hey, can we talk? Would you pray for me? And if you're in a strong season, but you know somebody who's in a weak season, would you reach out and say, hey, I got you. Can I, can I pray for you? What, what can I do to help? And as we do, we're gonna be strong in the Lord. We're gonna stand together, eyes open, arms locked, armor on, and knees bent. Let's pray. God, you are strong. You're so strong, and we're not, but you are. And we know that through the death and the resurrection of your son, you have already defeated every enemy. The, the, the battle's still going on, but we know the outcome's been decided. And so in the meantime, I'm just asking that you would give us the strength to stand. You know what my friends here are going through, even though I don't. So I'm asking you that through your Holy Spirit, you would empower them. That if they're strong today, I ask that you would put on their brains right now somebody who's weak and that they'd reach out and stand alongside them, arms locked. And if they're weak, I ask that you give them the courage to reach out, to be strong in you. And we lift up before you today, Father, our brothers and sisters all around the world, and we are asking, whatever it means, whatever it looks like, we don't fully know, but we're asking that through your Holy Spirit, you would enable them to stand firm and to be strong in you. And in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love and our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.